Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may be listening. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode number 12 of Truth Tidbits, as we look at different things from the scriptures and see what God may be speaking each and every day. And so today I want to talk with you from a few different verses of scripture, but the one that I want to start from is Exodus chapter 15. And I want to talk about inviting God's presence. I want you to to, um, follow with me and see where this comes from and see some beautiful insights that perhaps maybe you haven't seen before, I don't know, but I want to um, bring those things to your um, to your understanding and, and help you to see some beautiful things from God's Word. So I want to begin in Exodus chapter 15. Now, first of all, here, let me just kind of give you a little bit of the backstory. Exodus 1 through 4, we see Moses and his mission. We see the story of Moses. Um, how God protected him, raised him up in Egypt. He ended up killing someone, and so he ends up fleeing to the um, desert of Midian. He um, becomes a shepherd for Jethro, his father-in-law, marries uh, one of his daughters. And and so we see this mission that he has the burning bush experience in chapter 3 and 4, and God gives him his call. Well, then in Uh, beginning after that in the end of chapter 4 or 5, and on through chapter 11, we have the plagues and the warnings. He's called to go back to Egypt, go before Pharaoh, approach before him, and give him all these plagues and all these, I mean, all these warnings, and then if he doesn't respond, the plagues will come, etc., because God's about to deliver his people from Egypt. So Moses does all of that, In Exodus 12, we see the Passover instituted because God's got one final plague. There's been nine up to this point, and there's going to be one final one. It's the major one, and it will bring the deliverance. God will see to it. So he institutes the Feast of Passover, and that is covered in another series on my Feasts of the Lord series in depth. But God institutes the Passover, and he protects his people because of the blood Because of the blood on the doorpost, just like Jesus, because of the blood of the Lamb, we are rescued and brought from death into life eternal. Praise God. So the Passover is a very beautiful, powerful thing that God did and instituted, and it has extreme significance to every one of us. So then in Exodus chapter 13 and 14, we see the actual deliverance. God brings them out. In chapters 12 through 14, he brings them out of Egypt, brings them through the Red Sea, and then we come to Exodus 15, because what happened in 14 is, you know, they've come come through the Red Sea experience, and not only are they on the other side and free of it, but all the Egyptian army that was coming after them have now drowned in the sea, and they'll never see them again. That's exactly what God told them. So now we come to Exodus 15. Well, Moses then 
I want to just read you. I'm going to read you the first two verses. The whole chapter is very good. It's an excellent song of praise. We have Miriam dancing and playing the timbrels, the women dancing. It is a great celebration. They are having a party and exalting God for what he has done. But I want to point out something in verse 2 particularly. So I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Exodus 15. Verse 1, then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. Now, I want to stop there. Do you see in verse 2, the emphasis on my individual, personal, he's my God. And so what does Moses say in response when they're singing this song? He says, I will praise him. Now, the King James Version actually says, I will prepare him or make him a habitation. That is actually, in fact, the correct translation of this. It is um, only used two places in the scripture. This word that the New King James translates praise, it's only used two places in the scripture. It's only used here and in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 5, you'll find it. In, ha <clears throat> in Habakkuk 2, it is in a passage where God is speaking condemnations and woes to a man who is proud. He is describing this man. And one of the things that is in the description of this man is that he does not stay at home. He does not. <clears throat> he's one of these that's roaming always out looking around. He's intoxicated, drinks too much wine and, and just not content, not resting, not enjoying his home maybe maybe it's included in that his family etc but the word is translated that he doesn't stay at home <clears throat> or keep at home <clears throat> and this word is the same word that's used here for praise it's translated in the new king james as praise it literally means to rest at home or prepare a home to dwell and abide. So what Moses is saying here, he first of all praises and lauds the Lord who is his personal God. He's got a relationship with him. He says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him a home. I will make him a home to dwell in. I will be a home for him. Think about that for a minute. <clears throat> Moses is telling God, I want you to rest at home with me. I'm going to make you a dwelling place. I'm going to make you a place where you can rest and abide with me <clears throat> day by day by day i want to read <clears throat> excuse me i've got something in my throat it seems like i want to read in psalm 132 <clears> throat> 
I want to read <clears throat> verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> it says here, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. <clears throat> this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I'm going to read that again. For the Lord has chosen Zion. I'd like for you to think about it this way. Put your name in there. Put your name in there. For the Lord has chosen your name. My name is Kay. For the Lord has chosen Kay. The Lord has chosen you, whatever your name is. <clears throat> he has desired you for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. This is the Lord as if he's speaking now. <clears throat> this is my home forever with you. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. I've longed for a relationship with you. I've coveted a relationship with you. I've desired passionately to have a relationship with you. I've chosen you. I've desired you to be in relationship with me. I've desired <clears throat> to have a relationship with you. I want to read you one other passage before I continue explaining how this applies to us. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, the children of Israel <clears throat> have come out and now Moses is on the mountain with God and God at Mount Sinai and God is telling him, he's given him the law, he's given him all the plans for the tabernacle, etc. He's starting to give him the plans for the tabernacle here and all of the things involved in that. <clears throat> and notice in verse 8, he says, <clears throat> excuse me, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Did you ever realize that the whole purpose of giving Moses the plans for the tabernacle was so that God had a place that was set aside to reverence his holiness, but yet would be in amongst his people? He wanted to be right in the center of where they were, in the center of their life. He wanted to be with them. So he tells Moses, make a sanctuary. You got to make it to these standards because I am holy. I am to be reverenced. I am to be worshipped. I am set apart. I am not some common thing. You must make it in a holy fashion and with a holy priesthood and with a holy service because I am set apart. But... I want to be near you. I want to be with you. It's my desire to dwell with you. That was God's purpose in the tabernacle in the first place. So God wants a relationship with us. Our response should be exactly like Moses was here in Exodus 15 too. I will praise him. I will make him a home. Now, let me ask you this. <clears throat> when someone's coming over to your house, let's say you invite someone over for dinner. 
You're going to prepare for that person. Let's say, let's take it even farther than that because Jesus wants to actually live with us. So let's say you invite someone to come and stay with you. Now, let's just take in this example that you've got maybe a friend or a family member from out of town that's going to come for a week, come to your house. What are you going to do before that person gets there? You're going to prepare for them, right? You're going to clean, you know, you're going to clean that house. You're going to vacuum. You're going to sweep. You're going to mop. You're going to clean the, the dust off of everything. You're going to set out, you know, good china. You're going to make it as spiffy and as beautiful as you can. You're going to make it inviting. You're going to make it in appealing. You're going to make it welcoming, so that whenever that person arrives, they sense, even in the atmosphere, that they are welcome there. That this is a place you are glad they are with you. You are excited they've come to stay with you. And you want them to know that. And so you do that by... by um, cleaning your house. You do that by setting out special things that you know they'll like. Maybe you leave a, a gift bag on their bed that has, you know, a special perfume or soap that they like or whatever, you know, a candle for them to use in their room or something that is special to them. You are making them feel welcome. You are inviting them and you are letting them know by doing these things that you treasure them coming as a guest in your home and you want them to be made to feel welcome there with what you've done, with what you say, and with even the very atmosphere and mood that you create. Take that and apply that to this scripture about making God a home. First of all, do we clean house? Notice this in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 14, the Lord is speaking here. No, I'm sorry. Moses is speaking, but he's speaking for the Lord here. And he says, For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. It's kind of repeated here, similar passage in James 4, 8. It says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He goes on and he talks about different things that we should do. So we welcome God. We want to create that attitude. One of the first things, just like with a guest that's coming to our home, we're going to clean the house. So that it's, it's clean for them, it's sanitized, it's fresh, it smells good, it, it looks good. There's no dust and dirt everywhere that would make somebody cringe. You don't have a dirty couch that they can't even enjoy sitting on. You're going to clean. Same thing. Invite God's presence. Make sure your house is clean. Clean up the parts of your heart that need to be cleaned up before the Lord. 
repent and ask him to forgive you and to cleanse you. Maybe you've just, you're a Christian, but you got stained somehow. Ask him to wash away that stain, to clean and to dust you up real good, to mop and sweep and vacuum, to vacuum out of you what needs to come out of you. All of these things can be applications of how we prepare to make God a, a home. And we welcome his presence and then invite him in. You know, Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door and let me come in, I'll come in and sup with them. You know, when somebody is coming to your house, you got to open the door and let them get in. And when you open the door and you let them get in for that dinner or whatever, you know, for them to come and stay, then you welcome them in. You give them an attitude and an atmosphere that says, I treasure you coming here. I'm so thankful you came here. Can I take your bags for you? Can I get you something to drink? What can I do to make you feel comfortable here and welcome here? And let's take that and apply that to our reception and our inviting God's presence to live with us. One of the names Jesus is called is Emmanuel, God with us, living life with us day by day. And so I encourage you today, will you do as Moses did? Will you create an atmosphere inviting and welcoming God to live with you, to be right there with you, to take over? Let him be enthroned in your home. Oh, welcome him in. Not just into your heart one time in salvation, but daily. Wake up every morning and declare, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Declare, Lord, you're welcome here. You are welcome in my home. You are welcome in my life. Take over. Be worshipped. Be enthroned here. Make a home for God's presence. Welcome him. Invite him. Honor him. Worship him. Love him. Serve and obey him. And let him be welcomed in your home and among your family. Build an altar to him in your home. And it doesn't, I'm not talking about a physical structure necessarily. I'm talking about a family altar where you're praying together. You are serving God together. He is the Lord of your home. He is the center of your life. And whether you live alone or you have a spouse, children, grandparents, whatever living with you, let God be welcome there and let him be the center of your home. Thank him and fellowship with him. Because just like Psalm 132 said, he desires a relationship with you. He desires to live with you. Will you respond like Moses did and say, yes, I will prepare you a home, a place for you to dwell and rest a place where you are welcomed. Oh, I pray this has been a blessing to you today. And Lord willing, you can join us again as God delivers different messages to us in the future. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name.